and welcome to this month's Multiversity Manga Club. I'm Walt, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Zach and Emily. How are you guys doing? Good. I'm doing well. Awesome. Unfortunately, we are off by a little bit about, a little bit more than a month, because our book club choice for May was Your Lie in April. Yeah, and we didn't choose it for April. So yeah. sad. Oh, it is sad. <laughs> guess I didn't think about that. So I guess the question that I wanted to get into before we started off talking about Your Lie in April is, Zach, did you have any uh, experience performing music? Like, did you take music lessons? Did you, were you in band, chorus, whatever? So... No, not necessarily. I mean, like, so I had some experience with, like, singing um, through, like, growing up in church and stuff. Um, And and that, like, up until college was pretty much, like, my only musical inclination, I guess. Like, we had a piano in our house, and I would fool around with that, but I was never, like, I never took lessons or anything. And then in college, I took a guitar class, um, but for for various reasons, um, I I didn't really devote myself to it too much. So I I can sort of haphazardly play some guitar things, but not really at all. I actually guess the most <laughs> um the most musical thing about me is I got really really good at rock band drums. So <laughs> I mean, and that's the cl- of all the different rock band instruments, that's the closest to actually playing the drums. So right, right. Good um, on you. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you could maybe actually play real drums. Play actual drums, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Emily, I I mean, I know, but for the purpose of discussion, How about you? What is your experience performing music? So my first experience with with music, with with actually like playing an instrument was piano lessons starting when I was like, I guess it was around the age of, well, no, the the characters in the story are a little, were a little older, are a little older than me than I was when I started. But um, yeah, I started playing piano when I was like 12, starting middle school. And I kind of kept that up through middle school and high school, but I was never great at it. I don't know what it was about piano. I think it, the weird thing I think about often because I eventually got into playing viola in middle school and I got way more into that than than piano. But I always just like the, the piano was such a big instrument. You know what I mean? For like a, a little kid. And I'm just like, you know, I had to jump around all the time. Right. And I mean, I know that's like something you would obviously refine in practice, but like switching to the viola and I played piano and viola at the same time, but the viola was a smaller instrument, so it just felt easier um, in certain ways to play, even though because you have to make sure you're in tune, it's it can be harder. Um, but I got way more into viola, and I, I performed way more seriously. Um, I played until I was in college, and um, throughout middle and high school, uh, I did a couple recitals. I mean, nothing big, kind of like these community things where they give you little awards, you know, for, for, uh, for your performance. Um, and I played in the orchestra in high school and also in college. And we had, uh, what were they called? Juries. And I wasn't a music major, so they weren't really serious. It was just kind of, a, it was basically a participation grade. Like you couldn't really fail it because it wasn't really a class for me. But um, yeah, I, I, I uh, did a couple performances. Nothing as big as these characters ever did or as important. But I mean, they are kind of the stereotypical um, 
manga geniuses, <laughs> <laughs> like child uh, child geniuses, so virtuosos. And so I guess myself, continuing, you know, the gradient, I suppose, of the three of us, yeah. I have the most experience. You know, I was, I also was not a like child prodigy by any stretch, <laughs> like the uh, characters in this series. I couldn't um, think of the word prodigy. Wow, thank you. But you know, I, I was involved in. You know, I uh, also started with piano lessons when I was in late elementary school, mid to late elementary school. When I went into middle school, I started playing the tuba. And so it's kind of like a gradually like finding my place sort of thing. Like, you know, I wasn't very good at piano. I was okay at tuba. I started playing um, bass, both electric and upright. Um, And, you know, I was better at that. And then I uh, started singing like towards the end of high school. And I was pretty good at that, Um, not to toot my own horn. And, you know, like you, Zach, I, I... Partially, you know, had always been singing to a certain degree via church. And so that wasn't like too new for me. And I ended up um, going into undergrad for a music major, quickly got burnt out in one year and switched (laughs) to English. So, yeah, like I said, definitely not the prodigy that (laughs) these kids are supposed to be. But I stayed, you know, involved with it. And, you know, and after taking a few years break because of law school, I've gotten back into it. Um, so I, th- I thought it, I, th- I thought we had, it had maybe come up before, Zach, that you had it. So I thought it would be like an interesting, we're all coming at this from slightly different viewpoints. The reason why I bring it up is that the book club choice for this month, assuming that you didn't read it and just want to hear us talk about it, which <laughs> would be, you know, nice. Um, it, Your Lie in April by Naoshi Arakawa as we've alluded to, it centers primarily around um, a two younger folks. So I think they're about 14 when the story starts. If I remember yeah, correctly. yeah, 14 uh, or 15. They might be going on 15. Yeah. They're very young, like in the early. Actually, I think they were graduating middle school at this point. They're in early high school, right. middle yeah. school. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We have the um, main character, or the point of view character at least, Kosei Arima, um, he's a former prodigy of sorts, a pianist who used to be like one of those incredibly talented kids that you hear about in real life. You know, I know Emily made her joke earlier about like super talented manga kids. And this is certainly like an, el- there's certainly an element of that to sure. this too. But <clears throat> unlike, you know, a lot of other stuff I feel that we've come across and some stuff that we may be talking about in the next section um when we talk about new shonen jump series <laughs> we know that there are just kids you know yeah. people who are like 10 12 who are just phenomenal musicians and it's right. just wild talented yeah. talented kids like talented musical children are it's one of way the more, more common it's way more common and like believable as a concept than a kid that could i don't know create a best-selling manga when they're like 15 <laughs> so I, that wasn't really a rip on bakuman but i guess it kind of was yeah i guess um, i guess that is probably the best comparison i'm not i'm not saying i can't suspend my disbelief for that but yeah like this i didn't have as much of a problem yeah um because you you hear these stories of of kids um in some cases like they want to they want to be musicians but i think a lot of it especially if they start really young it's like their parents kind of coax them into it or yeah. not coax them into it kind of force them into it which 
This right. could be part of this story. I'm not 100% on that yet. It seems like it is. Yeah. Yeah. So in addition to Kose, we have um, a violinist, Kaori Miyazono, I believe it's pronounced, who she is currently a rising star of the violin. Um, and she is, they meet each other and she knows of him because, you know, musicians, especially talented ones do tend to run in similar circles and they hear of each other and right. so on and so forth. And so she wants him to get back into playing. So that is kind of the main hook of the series. He has not been playing for, I think, a couple of years at this point when the story starts. He hasn't, yeah, for two years. He hasn't even touched the piano, I think. it's right. to, Beyond, like, you know, putting papers on top of it. He has not touched the keys. Yes. Um, and so it's a romance. Um, uh, you know, if you, if you couldn't tell from the description of boy and a girl, girl trying to get him to, yeah. you know, it's a romance. Um, so there's elements of that. I mean, more than elements. It's the genre. It's, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it has some dramatic elements, but I mean, most romances do. Yeah. I mean, they're not all, it's not like a romantic comedy. No, yeah. no. They're, the comedy in here is just more comic relief than, you know, we're not, we're not talking something like Nisekoi. Right. But also not to not to drag Bakuman some more, but (laughs) yeah, it's also not like that either. It's It's also not misogynistic. Yeah. Or I mean, or (laughs) the weird thing about Bakuman was like, it really only had that one part that was like kind of hard to read. And then because the story wasn't really about that. No. But and so it was kind of easier to kind of forget that happened or to at least be like, okay, I can I can move on from this. I mean, Near Lie in April, I I do feel like Cowrie has some manic pixie dream girl qualities oh, yeah. to her. Yeah. yeah. Not it's not super egregious because she's, she's Ramona Flowers and Tsubaki <laughs> is knives. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's actually we, pretty close. It's funny because we just watched um we just watched Scott Pilgrim this weekend. Yeah. Last weekend. Um, <laughs> um and yeah, actually, you're you're so right. <laughs> I wonder when Tsubaki's gonna like dye her hair and start dating um, Watari. Except Watari's dating like five girls at the same time. Watari is a uh, Kosei's friend who. It's a star soccer player. Yeah, he's kind of a. I'm I'm a little. So again, I mean, we we only read the three volumes, so it's a little hard to talk about the series as a whole. But I'm. I'm kind of curious as to how Watari and Tsubaki fit into the overall narrative. I'm not really sure what their quote unquote point is yet. Besides like there being, being more, more characters. characters for Kosei and Kaori to interact with. I don't have a problem with that, but like thematically I'm trying to figure it out again. I don't think it's a problem because I haven't read the whole thing. I don't, it's not, it's not an inherent flaw or anything, but, but yeah, no, that that's a good comparison, Zach. Um, yeah. It, it is kind of weird because like, there's like a love quadrangle thing going on where like yeah. one of them likes one, but the other likes the other. And and then yeah. there's the, like the older guy who comes in and it's all very Oh God, messy. I forgot. Yeah. And Tsubaki dates that older guy kind of like yeah. Knives dates young, what's his name? Young, young Neil. Neil. <laughs> <laughs> but a bit in the other direction. So. I forget um, that guy's name. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. That. Yeah. 
I don't feel he's going to be like terribly important to the narrative. No, he's no. just a guy. I mean, it's I guess he's like her rebound, even though she never, she hasn't dated Kosei yet. But yeah, yeah, that's kind of how it was framed. So Zach, I was interested, you know, not to single you out, but w- since you have less of the personal connection, I, I was wondering like, how well were you sold on the various ideas about performing and such and like the kind of emotions that people have in connection with the music they're performing in this. Um, Did it, you know, sometimes these sorts of things can only be, if they're not handled well, uh, they can only be compelling to people who are like, oh yeah, you know, I know what this is talking about. I've been there. What about, you know, for, for you, do you think it did an effective job of like evoking feelings that you yourself, uh, might not have really had. Yeah, no. So, so well, so like two points. So I feel like you can almost split it into two things. One, you have like the performing aspect, which I think anyone who has had to do any kind of, you know, public performance, especially at a young age. So mm-hmm. like I, I didn't do music, but I did do gymnastics and Taekwondo. Okay. As a, as a kid. So probably from like age, I don't know, like nine to 13 or something like that um okay and so so like the the like performance aspect and also kind of the what you were alluding to earlier with you know the way parents get involved and how your interests you you know when you're that young you are only able to be interested in the things that are introduced to you you can't actively like seek things out Um, right and so it i i felt like Kosei's like storyline of being kind of forced into it by his mother was really believable and it and it maybe contrasted with some of the other characters who like you had kind of alluded to in it more for their own personal like interest in music mm-hmm. um I I thought that that was all really relatable the second part just in terms of the music itself like I I mean, not having any kind of experience in really playing music, music is really important to me as just like an art form. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you, when everyone was doing their like five band or five most listened to albums on Twitter the other day, <laughs> um, I just like started thinking about like, I had such a hard time like figuring out like what are, what music have I spent the most time with and, and just really thinking about kind of like how important music is. And, you know, this is very much classical music, which I am not as invested in, I guess, or not, not as invested in, but I have like less experience with having not really been in, in music. But I thought the way that it was presented was pretty incredible, especially for a visual medium the Mm -hmm. way that it could convey the concept of sound and music and the feeling of that through images was kind of incredible yeah that that actually brings up something i definitely wanted to talk about the it's an interesting challenge to be approaching the the subject of music um particularly in a in fiction rather than just something analytical um, to approach music as a subject in a media, whether it's comics, whether it's, you know, text, 
just any form that doesn't in fact have sound. Right. You know, they, of course they, um, in the editions that we read, at least at the end of each chapter, um, whenever like a new piece of music was brought up, you know, they had a little bit of like a write up about it, you know, giving you some context. And I thought it was kind of funny that they uploaded these to like their YouTube channel. Yeah. It was on the Kodansha. Yeah. I think it was, it was a Kodansha affiliated channel or something. It was yeah. like, check it out here. <laughs> I don't yeah. need to listen to it. Cause I knew the pieces already. I mean, I didn't need to look up Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, but um, I wasn't familiar with some of the stuff. Um, I don't know as much about classical music as as Walter. I mean, most of what I know is like stuff I played in high school and just kind of keep listening to over and over because I liked it. And the stuff I didn't like, I just never listened to again. So I kind of I kind of have some gaps here and there. But um, yeah, I agree. The way the emotions were portrayed during the performances was really good. And I think like my favorite scenes of what we read were the performances, the performance set pieces, specifically the one where Kosei accompanies Kaori. Mm-hmm. That was really good. Um, the one where she said, let's just start again after he kind of freaks out and stops playing. Yeah. Cause that, that was always like my biggest fear. Like what happens if I really screw up during a performance? Like, am I allowed <laughs> to start again? Like I never had anything where I froze up that bad. I just I just had times where I made mistakes and just kept going. Yeah. But uh, in cases where you had to like memorize a piece, my biggest fear was always like forgetting everything in the middle. That's that reminds me of something that I felt while reading this, which is really funny, and that I've never had to perform a piece of music for anyone other than um, for my final exam for that guitar class. But um, <laughs> I have had. I wouldn't call it a recurring dream because it's maybe only happened like two or three times um, where I, I have in this dream, I needed to learn a piece of music on an instrument and I didn't learn it. <laughs> and so that scene where he is like frantically trying to learn the, the piece to accompany um, Kauri is, was <laughs> I was like, Oh no, this is my nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it is funny though that that he just looked at it and and that was enough I guess like I guess when you get good enough you can just kind of look at a piece and yeah I know mean, how well I think that's where that also like the manga prodigy aspect comes in yeah, yeah that's, that's like a that's very shonen most, thing that's like Mozart level <laughs> yeah, genius even like the best young minds it's going to be rare for them to be able to like look at it and then play it on unaccompanied with or sorry not unaccompanied to play it without music you would need to play it at least once i would think but apparently apparently not well i thought he had been like practicing it a little bit uh, i thought he only had been looking at it because she'd been pasting calorie had been pasting the pages of the right. sheet music all over the classroom he'd only been looking at it i don't think he'd actually okay and eh, maybe i'm thinking of something maybe, else even, even then like you know he if i remember correctly he knew the piece and he was at least drumming it out. okay yeah fair enough and that, that is something, you know, pianists do. They, you know, there's a muscle memory aspect. Right. Of you can like kind of get it, pretend you're playing on a piano. And right. obviously it's not as good as practicing on the real thing. But I guess the other aspect of this is the romance angle. And to bring up one of our more frequent criticisms with a lot of these is I feel that in this respect, you know, I don't have much of a problem with the 
musical skill level of these young um, protagonists. But I do feel like the when whenever um, Kauri or not Kauri, whenever um, Kose was speaking, or he had this, like kind of internal monologue about how you know now everything's full of color, which was yeah. a, which was like a very nice evocative um, image. image imagery yeah. via text. But I do feel like the characters just feel like a little bit more emotionally mature than their age. Like they're supposed to be about 14. They feel more like 16, I'd say. They feel like 16, 17. 17. I mean, I know that's, that's a kind of a quibble and it's, it's definitely a quibble. And I, uh, I agree though. I think, I do think that, I mean, I, I guess I just, I guess maybe the point you're trying to make and what I would say is that it, what would be the harm in just making them high schoolers from the start and then progressing through high school. But yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, don't want to belabor the point since they they are just starting high school. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I get it. A- I get age it. In, in manga is just such a weird weird thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's partially as well. There, there can be the fact that they, that in uh, Japan, they their grade systems are divided up a little bit differently yeah, than I ours. Think... That can cause certain right um, cultural differences in terms of like when we recognize. Um, I think high school only has three years. Yeah, it's like certain stepstones in maturity and all that. Yeah. So it it can especially as like you know Americans looking at that some things. There's always the possibility that some things in that regard that seem yeah. odd or out of place to us might not be as such. Yeah, I thought Kauri and Kosei's, at least how Kosei thought of Kauri was fairly, uh, I don't know if complex is the word, but I mean, he he says at one point, you know, I, I respect you. And he looks at her and thinks that, and I'm like, that's a pretty mature thing for a, uh, I'm not saying a four. <laughs> I don't know how to put this. I'm not saying that 14 year old couldn't respect a girl he likes, but that it seems like something you'd come to later, maybe. And I'm not right. saying I didn't appreciate it, but it felt, you're right. It felt like a more mature thing to think about. And but it did it did kind of make me feel better about Kyrie. Kyrie. <laughs> oh, poor Kyrie. Cal- <laughs> I want to talk about treatment of female characters. <laughs> well. I don't want to say what what happened to. I was trying to make a joke about Kyrie, but it was going to involve spoilery stuff. But at any rate, I don't know how many of our listeners are that involved in like the, the lore of Kingdom, the Kingdom Hearts. Hearts discourse still still going to this day. It never stops. But yeah, no, him saying that about Kyrie, um, how he respected her, it made me feel a little bit better about her as a character, as far as her not being this kind of, I guess, manic pixie dream girl character where she was going to solve all his problems and i guess she kind of does in a way but it did make her feel a little bit more like the more like the author respected the character i guess yeah um more than her just being like i'm gonna show you the way because at one point she actually he says to her like oh you know you are you are freedom itself and she goes no i'm not but music is and i was like okay well that's kind of cheesy but that's I, i guess that's kind of a good message for kids Try youth. not to find uh, fulfillment and meaning through 
a uh, someone of the opposite gender, especially if you're a guy looking for meaning through a girl, I guess. And right. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's what the takeaway is going to be for people, but I, I kind of saw it that way. It was nice. Yeah. I, I can't really articulate this because it's actually just like kind of coming to me and I, I it's a really loaded thing. So I don't, I'm Go, probably just going to say it and drop it, but like I got shades of feelings that I felt while reading Goodnight Pun Pun from this in terms of like the relationship stuff. Obviously it's like way different because it's, there's way less like self-loathing and like dark <laughs> stuff going on, but like, Something about the way that the character that like Kosei interacts with the I guess like two primary female characters, mm -hmm. there was some kind of emotional resonance that was similar there. I for can me. I can sort of see I can yeah I get the what you're getting at yeah um, there's a similar a similar kind of uh, dynamic and a similar. Yeah, a similar kind of uh, oppressiveness to um, yeah Kose's life, not quite as to the degree of no. pun pun. Shall exactly, we say? Pun, pun, yeah, pun. yeah. Ob obviously, they're you know meant for different. There is like a level of like melancholy uh, at play in both, you know. So yeah, pun pun though. I yeah, I can see it too. Pun pun is like a story about kids for adults. Yeah, yeah. and this is a story about kids where the author is trying to get into the mindset of a kid to be like, what would a kid find relatable? Yeah. So it's I a little that's... bit, it feels a little bit more um, maybe contrived, I guess, in some aspects and uh, yeah. I don't want to say fake, yeah. but not as organic maybe. It's just not quite as deep maybe, sure. you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. But, but some of the same, I think kind of like basic feelings and ideas are, are at play there. Just maybe less fleshed out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely like your use of melancholy. I think that that's yeah. one of the things that makes this uh, a bit different from other sorts of... I mean, granted, most of most of the uh, romance comics that we've talked about have been romantic comedies. Right. Um, so they're not going to have that sense of melancholy generally. That would make, not make it a very good comedy. No. Um, but <laughs> it does... It, it does um, give it something a little bit different. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I, I think that's part of why I, I, so I guess we haven't directly addressed. I really liked it. I, I don't, I wouldn't say I loved it and I probably won't go out and like get the remainder of the volumes right away, but you know, I picked it up on a comiXology sale and if it ever rotates back around in another one, I'll probably sure. pick up a few more. Yeah. I, I thought it was quite good. I think it's a pretty good, drama for kids um at least i, th I feel like it it trends more toward the mid-teens age, age yeah group. yeah like um, 15, 14 sure. 15 16 uh, i feel like it's it, it kind of conveys some of those feelings you have as a kid pretty well um even though as we talked about there's some like kind of emotional maturity like dissonance there but yeah. it feels like their feelings are coming more from a a more developed emotionally kind yeah. of place to to track back to that for a second i guess how I would put it is that I think it get, does a good job of like exploring the kind of, you know, early romantic feelings you might have at that age. Yeah. It's just kind of the way that they state them. Right. Maybe, right. Yeah. That's a good way to put there, it. There's an, there's an honest core to it. That's maybe a little yeah. bit too. It's, it's maybe kind of 
over There's elaborate a, in yeah. ex- execution maybe yeah um yeah another thing that i didn't love about it and i i liked it quite a bit but i thought i thought the humor was like kind of annoying most of the time i thought it kind of took away a little bit from yeah but it's not that i thought it necessarily well, it's really not very funny no, honestly yeah. right it, it wasn't funny and it was just kind of the typical like I'm going to hit you because you said something I thought was pervy. And it just, it felt like they were different characters for a couple seconds. That's, because, that's a very good uh, observation. Because I, I don't really know how to describe it. I mean, Cowrie is described as kind of a manic and uh, energetic girl and she is, but she's also, I mean, she, she kind of has a very like um, mature aspect to her when she's talking about music and when she's getting Cal- uh, Kosei back at trying to get Kosei back into playing piano. She's um, what's that new book, newer book um, in in Shonen Jump about the girl with the bra- the chain in her hair? Yui Kamio. Yeah, yeah she's, that's her. She's basically she's basically her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty just, much the same thing. I don't know. I thought like the I thought the the humor was really jarring. I didn't. Yeah. Because it wasn't funny, number one. And it just kind of felt like I have to have them do. And I'm not saying they can't do silly, dumb kid stuff, but like, eh, it wasn't good. Well, it's even more jarring with the things that you alluded to, just in terms of kind of the way that their emotional maturity is kind of portrayed at times versus when they're actually acting like like children. So, yeah. 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 All right. Um, I think that, you know, about wraps up what I wanted to say about it. Um, any last thoughts from... Uh, I did want to talk real quick about Kosei's mom. Oh, yeah, I guess more we, we, mentioned, we mentioned her, but didn't go too much in depth. One of the more interesting aspects of it, and I, I wonder how much, how, to what extent, child abuse plays into this, because it seems like Kosei's breakdown, it talks about how uh, when he broke down on stage and stopped playing, the event that triggered that, um, he said it, it was something like he couldn't hear his own playing, mm-hmm. which that sounds like a, I mean, it's obviously kind of a dramatic created for drama's sake, but it, it kind of almost sounds like a uh, PTSD kind of response, um, even though it was to his mom dying. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying you can't have, obviously a lot of people who were abused by parents still have affection for their parents. A, right. a lot of people who have been abused have affection for abusers sometimes. Um, so, and I don't know to what extent it seemed like it was mostly physical and like psychological. Like, I think she, it, it was implied she might've hit him. And I wonder, I wonder how much they're going to get into it. Like, I, I don't think it's going to be like pun pun levels of like implied trauma and existential dread, but yeah, it, it was interesting as I guess from a character standpoint. No, it definitely was. And I think you, I mean, that is actually maybe one of the most, intriguing things to see at least in terms of like where the story's going to go because it yeah you're dealing with a lot of things you're dealing with he has this unresolved tension yeah because you know he was so young there's clearly some kind of abuse going on and his mom died yeah. you don't really understand so much of it and and i really liked the the scenes that kind of I can't remember like the exact titles. I'd have to go back and look it up, but it was something about like the shadow and how like oh, yeah. the analogy of like the shadow of his mother and the black cat and all mm-hmm. of that imagery. Yeah, that, was... uh, that chapter was really good. That, I thought that was good. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Um... I, um, yeah, I like this a lot too. And I, I don't know if I 
we'll keep reading, but I'm definitely intrigued to maybe check out the anime adaptation. Oh yeah, I yeah. guess we haven't mentioned that. Yeah, which is yeah. only I, I looked it up. It's only 22 episodes, and I think covers the entire story at, at least in broad strokes, I guess. Um, and it, I feel like would maybe even be a better way to maybe engage with it because it um, is a visual and auditory medium. So yeah. yeah. That is that is one thing that the anime would have going for is you could hear the music too. Though I think I think the emotion being portrayed in the manga was was fine. Like I think that's the yeah. most important thing. Rather than like, can you appreciate Bach here? Listen true, to Bach. True, yeah. Listen to Bach while you read your Lion April. Like I don't think you have to do that. <laughs> Just cue up the Kodansha playlist on YouTube and and go. Yeah, and I think you can make effective comics about music. You just have to be good at it. And if you're not good, then yeah, it's going to be like, you're going to be like, why can't I just listen right. to this? Like, I, I know that sounds kind of, that's like a cheating way to put it, but. If you want to know more about that subject, look up my uh, review of Deadpool something point five, where I reviewed a, this is like five or six years ago, I reviewed a quote unquote musical issue of Deadpool. Spoilers, it sucks. Um, oh no! Well, and I talk about that issue of music and comics. Don't actually read it. My my review isn't good either. None of my writing is <laughs> good. Don't read anything I do. <laughs> oh yes, the anti plug. Yeah, that's about. I think that's about all I had to say about it. Um, all right, uh, Zach, you're on pick for the month of June, or for when we reconvene at the end of June. What are we going to be looking at? Um, so after Emily's success with the Kodansha grab of To Your Eternity, I'm going to try to follow up with that, um, with, uh, Land of the Lustrous by Haruko Ichikawa. Um, it seems to be a book about, if, from what I know about it, it's like Sailor Moon mashed up with Steven Universe, basically, if you huh. are familiar with those properties. That's what it Only seems adjacently. like. Yeah. So yeah. I I will say I have only read the first chapter so far, and the artwork is very interesting. Pretty quite unlike most any manga series I've I have read so it it definitely has that going for it so I I'm interested to see what how it how it goes as I read more and and to see what you guys think awesome yeah I look forward to seeing it I you know when you mentioned it I took just a very quick uh flip through the preview on comiXology and it yeah it certainly looks visually very distinct um speaking of quick plug for our listeners if you wish to keep up um, I believe by the time this goes live on June the 7th, um, that should still be on sale on Comixology. Um, so if you want to, good place to pick it up. Yeah, I also think the first few volumes at least are free if you have Comixology Unlimited or Kindle Unlimited. That's um, right. Either of those services. And of course, support your local library. Yes, yeah. if that's an that. option. I should do that more. <laughs> I haven't been to our library in a while. I, I have to plug every time I read all of Naruto through our, my local library. So. <laughs> we got we got all of Nashka from, from 
from our library. Yeah, that's like right. they, and I mean, they, I mean, through interlibrary loan too, but I mean, they had it all. Yeah. Yeah. Don't sleep on the library guys. Keep it. You know what Arthur said? Having fun isn't hard when you got a library card. That's Arthur. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Wasn't there, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure it was Arthur. I think that's the same. I think there's a pretty famous uh, like song they sang about the library. Oh, we forgot to talk about how many Peanuts quotes were in this. <laughs> oh, yeah, there were a weird that was, amount. That was bizarre. There were like at least three. I guess, I guess, I that, like. I guess it's uh, specifically Kauri is a fan of Peanuts. It was cute. Yeah. 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 Nice like she likes Snoopy. That seems like a 14-year-old girl thing. That's cute. I'm not going to make a timely Arthur joke. Because that <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean about the wedding? <laughs> I said I'm not going to make it, so anyway, we'll take a quick break. Um, We'll be back to talk about the month of May in the various Shonen Jump titles on Viz's web service. doesn't quite roll off the tongue like Weekly Shonen Jump magazine. I think we can just say Shonen Jump and people will know what we mean. We'll talk about it. (laughs) See you then. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed like Dan Klaus' Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commandy. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe. Subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. All right, welcome back. We're at the second half of the show, which means, as always, we're going to be talking about the various titles running in Shonen Jump. Um, first, though, I'd like to start with a bit of news. Uh, as of we're recording, it's fresh news today um, that... Food Wars. It's ending. Three more chapters, I think. I think, yeah, three. So definitely, definitely by the next time we record, it'll, it'll be, be over. Dunzo. Yeah. So that'll be 316, kind of an, an early wrap for that series, I feel yeah. like. I, I guess we were kind of all feeling like it was winding down, but I almost didn't believe it was going to just end. But yeah. I hope this is where he wanted to end it. Um, yeah. I guess we'll see. We'll talk more in depth about it next yeah, month. Yeah, because um, if it was, then I'm a little bit, I, I kind of look a little bit more kindly at some of the things they did in the last, yeah. this last bit, though I do feel it was still a little bit undercooked. Boo, <laughs> oh my God. Boo. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was the first word that came to mind and I couldn't, I couldn't think of a better word. <laughs> yeah, I know that was terrible. Um, we'll see. Yeah. I think, I think it was, I think it's probably going to be just fine, but maybe not ending on the huge, awesome thing. I think, I think ultimately we're going to wish it had ended with Azami. Yeah. It's hard to not. And it's nice to get like, you know, a little bit of, oh, it's going to end three chapters from now rather than like, oh, that's it. Yeah. Obviously for a series that's been running this long. Obviously it wasn't told that it was, that it got canceled or anything. I don't think that would have been the case. It's not like Robo Laser Beam. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they have these weird things where like some, the mangaka or somebody involved with the manga gets in trouble with the law. And I'm not talking 
the level of Ruroni uh, not Ruroni Kenshin levels of uh, badness. But I mean, like maybe a mangaka was like, you know, got caught with marijuana or something, and they the tell them weed. what's that? The killer weed. <laughs> Uh, they'll be like, uh, yeah, no, or or sometimes like, like, well, I guess this happens more with anime, but like, I know some. There have been some cases where like anime voice actors and stuff have been like replaced and stuff if they they've gone yeah, they've run afoul of the that law. That happened recently, right? With that uh, judgment, judgment eyes. Oh yeah, the um, so the Yakuza, the Yakuza creators made a game about. I guess it's like a, it's like the other side of the law. It's like Yakuza, but it's the like. Okay. Uh huh. I'm not exactly sure if it's cops or I don't think it's cops. I think it's like a, I don't want to say I, I, I read a synopsis of it like a, a year ago and I can't really remember the specifics, but yeah, like someone involved with that had some minor, I think offense and they got replaced. Yeah. Super, super fun fact the that same voice actor voices, uh, Olaf in the Japanese version of Frozen, and so uh, <laughs> Kingdom Hearts three had some. I felt that fallout as well. <laughs> then the, you know what else is interesting was in Kingdom Hearts three, the Japanese voice actor of Phil died, so he appears in the Kingdom in the in the Hercules world, but he doesn't speak. <laughs> Interesting. Out of respect, fact. I guess. Yeah, because I, I, yeah. I was when I was playing, I said, "Walter, this is so weird." Phil appears, but he's not saying anything, and he wouldn't shut up in in uh, Birth by Sleep. So yeah, just gives a nice head nod and moves along. Yeah. <laughs> so that's right. an interesting tidbit. Yeah. Getting a bit back on topic. Yeah. <laughs> Food Wars. We'll check in next month about how that all wraps up. I'm sure we'll have plenty of discussion about it. Yeah. Um, on the opposite side, we're going to be talking about a few new series that started this past month. I guess they aren't actually using the term jumpstart anymore. Now that I think about it, we're just kind of used yeah. to using it. But there'll always be jumpstarts in my heart. We're going to talk about the first two that started in May. Uh, first of which is Samurai 8, the much-awaited return of Masashi Kishimoto uh, granted, he's been involved with Boruto, um, but this is the first thing in a while that he's been the writer of the head, the lead writer. Mm-hmm. So, I want to hear what our Naruto boy thinks about this. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I really liked this a lot. Um, uh, I thought, as a concept, it is—it's a lot. It's very high concept, much more so than Naruto was when it started. Right. Um, and and I mean it really aside from some visual similarities, um, because I, I will uh it's worth noting um Kishimoto isn't drawing yes. this, but it's being illustrated by one of his assistants okay. that worked on Naruto. Um, I did not Ak- know that Akira Okubo. You can kind yeah, of see so it. someone who's yeah, someone who shares at least like somewhat of a similar style in in some ways. I notice it especially in like the architecture of the of the buildings and things there's a lot of similarities there but yeah it just kind of like from the outset it's a much higher concept kind of more uh, a lot more world building going on initially yeah uh, in terms of just like how much scope there is yeah um at first and and a completely different protagonist you know really um but still kind of I, 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 it feels like distinctly Kishimoto to me, and um, 
Yeah, I really liked these opening chapters. There was one thing that kind of made me tuck my collar a little bit, and I didn't really know how I felt about it. And, and you guys probably maybe already know where I'm going, but we, we can talk about that after you guys have your sure. thoughts. I, so my thing was that when I first heard that Kishimoto had a new series about it, as we've, and I think we mentioned this in previous episodes, um, that I was excited because, you know, I, I liked Naruto, I liked Naruto just fine, <laughs> but I was mainly interested in when the like few chapters I, I flipped through when it was in the magazine, um, before it ended, uh, I really liked his art style at that time, but towards the end of the series, um, it's fine in the beginning, but it seemed like towards the end, he developed a very interesting style of his own. And so that's what I was excited for. So I was a little bit disappointed um, when I saw, oh, it's not actually Kishimoto doing the art. And so I think for the first couple of chapters, I was maybe a little bit unfair. I kind of was like, oh, you know, I'm, it's not Kishimoto. I'm not really interested in this. But I've, I've come around to it. I, it's, I still think it's a little bit too busy at points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It can be hard to follow. I, I would agree, actually. I and that's kind of, I guess, maybe what I was getting at with the scope. Okay. Being as big as it is, I, I was being maybe a little bit kinder <laughs> to it, but no, I I agree. It is very busy. Yeah. Um, Visually. It yeah. Can, it can often be hard to tell what's exactly going on on the page. Of course, we there are other series that we like that we make that comment of. Every now and then. Um, yeah. And the story, it's fine. I, I don't dislike it. I don't, I'm not really into it. I'm not, it does almost a lot of like these shonen action type stuff. There's element of uh, wish fulfillment and all that. Oh yeah. Whereas this is like extremely on the nose oh, in that regard. Yeah. This is um, like super 14 year old wish fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit more on the on the nose than some of them are, which can't, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, there, there's certainly like a there's a level of honesty to it in that regard. Sure. Um, just this is what a 14 year old thinks is cool. Yeah. And there's you know yeah. we are reading a magazine aimed at 14 year olds yeah. primarily. I think we we yeah. try. I try at least to look at it as that. I try not to be like, oh, this is for me. Or anything like I try to look at this like is this is this good for like a fourteen year old? Yeah. So not, I might not communicate that very clearly, but yeah, I mean I think this this is really just aiming at that demographic, and it's probably going to do really well because of it. That said, I mean I think I think it's better than I think it's better than like the average new oh, series sure. that drops in uh, the magazine every now and then. Um, I also agree with the busyness of the art. I think. I can't really parse what's going on with like the mounts that they ride. Like, I, I don't know what's going on. Like when they're kind of these globs float around, are they like reforming? I, I kind of, I'm a little confused about how that works. And like, I don't really understand the mechanical aspect. I think there's too much going on conceptually. Maybe like with, there's might, there might be a little bit too much with the samurai robotic. Cyber yeah. It's technology. like, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on with the various systems at play, which then, directly translate to having to draw more stuff going yeah. on. Yeah. I mean, it's cool he's trying something a little bit different with um, 
making it, I guess, a space story, but we really, we haven't really had that aspect of it yet, of it being kind of universes, which, I mean, kind of is like, it's kind of like what One Piece does with the sea and different islands. Right. Yeah, I think, and I'm not crazy about the, I guess, the main character just yet, though it's, because I thought he was going to have more of a handicap, because as it turned out, he, st- he started out being extremely weak and kind of dependent, relying on this machine he was attached to, and I thought maybe that was going to play into things more but it turns out yeah. he was able to actually just completely disconnect from this machine and just become basically a super powerful samurai right from the, the start so yeah we're, that's a good point yeah that was like one of the more interesting things about it at first um, yeah we're still we're still pretty early in so it could act up again yeah i'm, I'm sure it will like multiple times throughout the series you know there will be moments where he's depowered for dramatic oh, yeah. effect or whatever. But I I agree that it would be more interesting if it was a more common thing. Um, like, you know, the whole shtick of, like, only being able to have this power for, like, two hours or something like that. You know, it's, it's a cliche, but it's a good one. Uh, sure. And it would, it, would be, it would be interesting with this character. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that would be... Preferable. Was a little bit of a... Let down. Let down. That's the word I'm looking for. So, Zach, you alluded to a interesting character. I'm assuming we're on the... Yeah. So, now, as of yet, do we still not have their... Gender? I was going to say their, like, name. (laughs) Uh, They haven't... Well, no, technically, because that, that character, they don't... They their name is Nanashi, um, which means no name, no no name or no one or something like that. So yeah, so I mean, we. Could, I mean, what, what was it, Emily? Again, was it Nanashi? Nanashi or, yeah, yeah, Nanashi. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm very cautiously optim, maybe not optimistic. So I guess, <laughs> I guess. Is it Nanashi? Nanashi. 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 Uh, yes. I guess Nanashi. We can perhaps say is gender fluid, non-binary, something. Yeah, I would. Yeah, say non-binary. non-binary. Which they're not sure which gender they are, and th- therefore they don't know what they even I- would identify as. Yeah. As far as I understand, so. Yeah. Yeah. And that's you know the representation, the having that kind of. In there, that's that's a nice sentiment, perhaps, or it can be. Yeah, there is a little bit of like a a gimmick with yeah. it, where there's the hand hands. That's like, weird. What is forget, going on? I forget with if that? it's Mr. Right and Miss Left or the other way around. I think that I think that is correct. And you yeah. know, those are like sort of alternate personalities, and so you're kind. of kind of wading in dangerous territory there kishimoto yeah like kind of turning and it into more of a gimmick mythology kind yeah, of thing. and a gimmick and a pathology yeah. and yeah well i, I could understand i could understand it coming from being kind of trapped in yeah. re- a recluse but because they also have this this kind of amorphous gender identity or nothing at all it, it becomes a little bit more you, you kind of worry about it yeah. You worry a bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I think the thing that is most troubling um, is the way that Hachimaru reacts and like his his kind of perception, which 
you you can have a flawed protagonist mm-hmm. definitely who who maybe doesn't have the best point of view on things especially one who is like a child right. and also kind of a recluse but just some of the some of the things that he says are a little troubling but you know on the i mean i don't want to give kishimoto maybe more credit than is deserved but my my perception is that these kind of themes maybe aren't as well utilized or, or maybe like portrayed in Japanese media. Right. Yeah. De- definitely not like the Japanese media that I consume regularly and like kind of my perception of what cultural yeah. norms are in Japan. And so, and, and that way it kind of is encouraging, I guess that it is kind yeah. of being portrayed in a, like made like a, a big, shonen jump story but it's just very early on you know so i know i also i'm a little bit worried about it too or at least i'm I'm a little bit skeptical about it but i'm actually i actually feel on the whole kind of positive about it because yeah i i feel like the story likes this character yeah and i don't think they're just gonna turn it into a joke or anything or at least the identity aspect of it I don't really care about the protagonist being a bonehead as far... I mean, obviously not in terms of, like, their identity, but, I mean, like, shonen protagonists tend to just be kind of clueless a lot of the time. So, I mean, them making kind of yeah. ignorant comments, like, I don't <clears throat> I don't necessarily think that's, like, because of the character's identity, but it could be seen that way just because this isn't something you see a lot in shonen. Yeah, I don't know. I feel... I, for some reason, though, I feel fairly optimistic about it i feel like it could be an interesting something to set the story apart yeah i'm interested that this character even exists like i thought yeah i i'm curious honestly it's one of the reasons i want to keep reading it (laughs) and i hope this character is is obviously they're going to go along with hachimaru uh hajimaru on his adventure i would i would think but yeah i kind of wonder i don't think they're really going to do anything revolutionary with their identity or however they choose to identify or mm-hmm. whatever they're going to be known as. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. This is just interesting, but I do, I, I, I do understand the apprehension. Yeah. So that was of course the marquee title of the month, you know, Kishimoto big star coming back. Another one that started earlier in the month was double Taisei. Uh, this is by Kentaro Fukuda. Fukuda. This is, We've had a few now. This is a another one that centers on shogi, and so the interesting, the hook for this one um, is basically this main character. These two main characters are a single person's two split personalities that come out. One one's active during the day, one's active during night. It's a weird story. <laughs> and then, and then something, and you know they played or they used to play against each other, and they were like the only match for each other. And then, yeah. then the nighttime one, who's more the bad boy, got the dayman and nightman. Dayman, nightman. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I um, can't believe I just now made that connection. <laughs> The, the night one's a bit more of uh, Taisei uh, is the bit more of a uh, wild card. I think you meant Tai. Taisei. No. Yeah, it's Tai. Taisei is them, and then Tai is the day man, and Tai is the nightman. Say is the 
more bad boy kind of guy. He's got that energy. I guess we haven't had enough to see if he's really like, but he's he's got you know the messy hair and all that, and he's got the white the, the, the white interspersed in the black hair, yeah. like it's dyed or something. I mean, again, it's the it's the Yui Kamio thing. Yeah, it again. is very. It is actually pretty similar. But Ty uh, was like killed by being shoved down the stairs. Yeah, I, which so that's he, he yeah. suffered the same fate as Zoro's childhood friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, that's it's very fantastical. So the first. The first chapter, I was like, the gimmick of like, oh, the two personalities. I was kind of like, eh, this is like kind of weird and I'm not really loving it. Yeah. And I'm still not a big fan, but I will say I didn't see the end of the second chapter coming. The real hook of um, of Ty after after falling and hitting his head at a match, um, the Ty personality is gone and now it's only Say and you know, this was his first time seeing the sun and so that it, I was not expecting it. I that feels like something that would happen much later in the series. Yeah, you know, maybe like after an arc or two. Yeah, I, I don't feel like they're totally. They can't just be dead yet, though. I would right. Think. I'm, I, I'm sure. Otherwise, what's the point of having that? Even as a, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's much to say about this series just <laughs> I don't know yet. Either, yeah, but I will. I'm going to keep I that that ending did make me want to keep reading. I still don't know if I like it, but I'm Yeah. I I was like, "Huh. Okay." <laughs> I I'll admit it's it's just hard for me to follow a shogi cuz I'm not familiar with it and I know the I guess this sounds like ignorant foreigner kind of thing and I I don't mean it to sound like that, but it's just like it's hard when otherwise you're going to have to read like, you know, footnotes for every single thing that happens and it kind of slows the pace a little bit. Yeah. And that kind of happened with I think Ages ago, when we read, um, what was that one with the tomato poodle? Oh, oh, um, yeah, yeah. Shoot, I, I know what you're talking about, but I, I don't remember. I forget the name of it, but it had a lot of um, just jokes that were specific to Japanese pop culture, which right. had needed a lot of asterisks and stuff. Well, that was specifically a comedy. Yeah, yeah true, true. I, I will say it is. I thought it was kind of interesting how. Um, compared to, I think there's like another shogi series that we've had, or that is at least one more, ma- maybe two. Yeah, at least more. But it, this one didn't really focus so much on the like intricacies of the exact strategy. Things. Yeah, this is the strategy. Yeah, better in that sense. And well, I guess I I have watched an entire anime based on mahjong, and I loved it. So, and I, I really. <laughs> I kind of learned how to play Mahjong just so I could understand the show better because it was so good. <laughs> so you can you can become engaged in something you don't really understand all the rules to. I think it just it depends on the execution of the of the you know the book or movie or a comic series. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah you can totally make it into something that's that's engaging. I guess I, I was I'm also thinking of that last one where it was very much about uh, this guy was a defensive player. Yeah, and. But, and that kind of by necessity made you have to try that's to learn right, the rules. That's right. So that was a little it, it bit. It was hard to visualize like, okay, what yeah. does that mean? I just didn't have the context. Yeah. So I think this one, we're going to have to see how we're feeling about it. Maybe like two months from now. Cause we'll see. Has the, has the hook, the surprise, the surprise instant twist. Yeah. As is that enough to carry it? Is that all that it was? I mean, there wasn't anything bad about it, I would say. It was fine. No. But at the same time, besides that 
one twist, I wasn't like riveted. No, but... I was thinking it was going to be a pretty, the, the, that the main thing was going to be, oh, guy with two personalities living with his mom. I don't really remember. Uh, yeah, it's a bit weird. But uh, I was like, you'd think maybe he'd need, what do you call this? This particular <laughs> um, phenomenon of, of, it's not, it's not two personal. I mean, it is, but it's not like schizophrenia. Right. So I don't know. I mean, it's obviously not. I mean, it's not a real thing. I know. I know. But yeah, I'm, I'm just being facetious. So. so I guess we'll see how that's doing in a little bit. Check in. Mm-hmm. See if it's still kept our interest or not. Zach, you've been keeping up with Dragon Ball Super, the manga. I, I think we've mentioned before on the show that the it was originally um, the manga was just kind of following the show. Now the show has ended, but the manga is continuing. How's that going? It's really pretty interesting. So I think I, I talked a little bit about this current arc a few months mm-hmm. ago when they had this um, train heist yes, chapter. Yes. Which... That was a lot of fun. Sounds incredible. It was the one thing Dragon Ball's been missing, a good train heist. Yeah, it was train heist. Yeah, so now the the arc has gone a little bit further, and um, we're kind of in the... Uh, I don't want to say that it's like the main phase of this new villain character, but it, it's definitely like the tension has ratcheted up a lot. And it's really interesting because a lot of this arc is taking place on um, new Namek, which maybe I've forgotten that there was a new Namek, but there is. That's <laughs> <laughs> just kind of how Dragon Ball is. It's like, how many, how many yeah. times has Namek been wished back? How many times has Earth been wished uh, back? Exactly, yeah. Um, um, new, but new, because new of Earth. that, new, 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 yeah, Namek Zero. Um, <laughs> the meta Namek. Okay, we're, we're getting a bit off. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, <laughs> But um, because of that, this arc is like evoking a lot of tones and feelings of like the Frieza saga, um, just visually and and kind of playing on expectations in some interesting ways there um, and making really great use of like Vegeta. I like the sound of that. I I love when good use is made of Vegeta. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of small. It's been a few small things, but kind of highlighting where he was then and where he is now okay which is really good toriyama and um i i forget toyotaru who is the writer and illustrator um or co-writer and then illustrator um continues to use jocko and the galactic patrol in really interesting ways and and even going so far as to bring back characters from jocko in in some fun ways and and that's just looking back on when that series was first coming out and everything and just thinking about how it's being included now in, in really funny ways is just kind of crazy. Um, but then uh, the the big thing um, in this arc is the way that Boo is being used in some really interesting yes. ways. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that sounds good. And that's still like, you know, yeah. Mr. Boo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome. Um, is he still? Yeah, so it's just. Is he still living with Mister Satan? Well, yeah, he is. Yeah, in fact, so he. <laughs> there's a really funny scene. Either it, it was either in the most recent chapter or maybe the one before where, um, <laughs> is pa- Jocko is talking with with Mister Satan by intergalactic phone, and Mister Satan is like calling to check on how Boo is doing, <laughs> and it's you know it's just very sweet. Is is Pan calling Boo Grandpa too? <laughs> that would be really awesome. I, so I don't. 
I don't know if Pan. I don't know if Pan can talk yet. <laughs> she may still be a baby, and at this point, but she has three grandpas now. She has Piccolo, Mister Satan, who's her actual grandfather, and Boo. And Goku. And Goku. Yes. Sorry, I and forgot. Goku. <laughs> I mean, I mean, let's be real. Like he's he's barely a grandpa to her. Yeah, actually, he's more of a grandfather to her than he was a father to Gohan, I guess. See, I feel like I feel like he was underrated as a dad in some ways, but I mean, it is a bit like memed out of. Yeah, it's it's out of like people always say like Goku's such a bad dad, but then they forget that Piccolo left Gohan in the wild for like (laughs) ten days to to train, and but that's just kind of waved aside. It's called building character, and like (laughs) men understand. I mean, I think I, I think Goku just suffers the same as any just like. If there, if he has any problems, he just has anime manga parent problems. Right. He's just. It'd be that. like if Luffy ever became right. A and dad. so I always, I'm always just kind of like cocking my eye at people that are that really that seem serious about saying like he's a terrible father. I'm like, yeah, I mean, okay, it's shown in manga. <laughs> who, care, who cares for Gohan's pain? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the best joke we'll ever make on this podcast. <laughs> We can't uh, we, make jokes anymore because that was the best. I think we got to leave Dragon Ball behind for now. There's not much more. Uh, are you guys? Are you guys still watching? It, it's been a little Super... bit since we last. We're gonna. We're definitely gonna finish um, the uh, Goku Black arc. We. Uh, yeah, I think we're about halfway. We're about halfway through it. We're about to uncover maybe, the mystery. Maybe only a third. I think literally the next episode is like the mystery of Zamasu explained goku <laughs> black and zamasu's relationship like that's, that's the name you know the titles that they use <laughs> yeah like yeah. i you know like i can't believe goku black and zamasu are actually <laughs> separate identities in the same body or I, I don't know what the actual case is it's it's probably the most interesting plot thing dragon ball's ever done just because it's it's so weird and different than stuff they've done before no i agree i agree and that's kind of why i wanted to like highlight super is just again it just continues to do more and better things than it has any right to do i know it had no Um, right being this good what what i what i might do is after we finish the uh, goku black arc i might switch even though there's more of the show i might switch to just reading the rest i don't think i can watch another super long tournament arc like yeah i i know it has some parts well it is very long like it's it's like half the run of the show I, i'd rather blow so. through that in manga form i think yeah i might watch like parts of it but and people seem to be kind of cool on the final bad guy and he looked a little bit lame personally so i'm not i'm not like super looking forward to it i mean maybe i'll check it out at some point but i'll see i'll see what walter thinks about the the manga up to this point so yeah but i can't not that i, I don't trust you zach <laughs> I can't. I can't start it until I finish reading Countdown for Multiversity. So it'll that, be a little bit. Apparently, count, Countdown. This is the only thing I know about it. It didn't even count down to the thing it was supposed to count down to. So uh, that's very funny to me. But at any rate, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it technically counted down to it. It just ended up being pointless. That it was. It was not related. Yeah. <laughs> Another quick checking in thing. And I have here written in my show notes, what is going on with Chainsaw Man? I have several questions about it. It's so weird. Like, I know we might have even talked about it last month and we try not to repeat stuff. We say that, but then we do it anyway. (laughs) But 
I just, it is such a weird book. It. I don't know if I, I, I don't think I like it, but at the same time, I don't think I dislike it. I'm just perplexed by it. I think I like it, but I, I'm, I think it's, I think the material is, it's kind of reaching the level where I'm like, maybe this should go insane in or something because it's very violent and the sexual themes are, I wouldn't say they're, I don't know. They're, they're, they're past the point where it's like, kind of just like, Oh, boob humor and stuff like that. Right. It's like, they're actually like the characters are talking about like having sex and stuff. And I'm like, um, and like they're in situations where that would happen. I'm thinking like, this seems a little, I, I don't know. It seems like borderline. And I feel like if it was a little bit more honestly labeled, I would, I would like it more. I don't know why that bothers me so much, but I guess, yeah. Also, I don't. I just plain don't know what happened in the last chapter. As far yeah, the, as the I, the I previous also don't, ones, it seems have like, these like. It's it seems like a similar to, what we were talking about with uh, double tie say, um, except later, just this big twist of now all of a sudden everybody in the agency is dead. being like killed off or something. It almost makes me think like maybe it's. Some, it might be ending or something, but like okay. I, I don't want to. Some some of the characters are so hard to parse. Yeah. Um, apart so I don't know who's dead and who isn't. So so I know for sure that the lady that Denji was originally into is Makima was her name. She was the head of the. Okay. One of the heads of the, uh, this you know unit, yeah. this anti demon unit. So she's definitely dead. At least she was shown being shot in the head. I mean, right. that's pretty. And Close to being dead. But in a thing with demons, you know, you never know. She could not be dead. I don't know. Um, but then we saw the last chapter where Denji was supposedly shot. It looked like he was shot in the head. Right. And then Power, the other demon, the demon that works with them, I guess is going to try to do something to yeah. stop that. So I, th- I thought two chapters ago when this like started, there was that scene um, on the train yeah and yeah, i yeah. thought that was really well done yeah like it had a really good tone to it yeah but it's again it just contributes to like this whole confusion of like the tone of this book is just yeah. all over the place yeah like denji's mm-hmm. is a sex maniac which okay fine but like <laughs> i i felt i felt like that scene in the train on the train would be really good in a different manga <laughs> you know it, yeah I, I guess I'm not sure what Chainsaw Man wants to be, and I'm not sure Chainsaw Man knows what it. I think that's the what, best way to put it. What kind of tone it wants to strike yeah. uh, consistently? Because I, I really like the art now. Like I've really come around. I think it looks good. Like I, I, I think I can see the that it's not maybe as polished as like some other stuff like Hachimaru or right. some of the other new stuff. But it really looks. I mean, it has character. Yeah, so. it has a lot of character to it. The unpolishedness is actually part of why I like it. So that's definitely not a problem to me anymore. Um, and like I said, the first chapter I freaking loved. It was one of my favorite first chapters that ever was in Shonen Jump since I can remember. But <laughs> it it seemed like I wish it had kept that tone, this like kind of campy. I, can, I said this before, B-movie horror thing. And like if it had stayed that way, this would have been probably the best thing in Shonen Jump. But eh, eh. Yeah, it's just so over the top and like you said like it it yeah fluctuates between this i mean you know like the arc we had where they were trapped in the in that house or apartment building or right. whatever with what we got in the in the last few chapters it's just fluctuates yeah. a lot yeah yeah i'll i'll keep reading it I, I, yeah it hasn't like shook me off yet i just I, don't 
It's it's very perplexing. And I really liked the arc with like the MC Escher, like they trapped in the they were trapped in this hotel room and it just like became right. this endless hallway and stairs. That almost had like echoes of Ito, I thought at yeah, some point. Yeah, Ito and the 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 demons kind of remind me of like Ito or Miura, like Berserk. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's a lot of potential there. I feel like there's a lot of potential with the story, but it, it just kind of I think it's tracking into weird places. I think it, it just needs to decide like yeah. what kind of story it's think, going to be. I think if it keeps going, it could settle into a good place. I'm going to wait till it does because it hasn't done anything to like grossly offend me yet. But it is a bit of a weird book, like you said. So, And I think we'll close out this month uh, talking a little bit about My Hero Academia. I forget. Did we talk about it the last month? We and... talked about it, I think. I yeah. think we did, Two yeah. months ago, I thought. Well, no, you're right, because yeah. we talked about Toga. Yeah, so we talked about Toga already. I think mainly, probably the reason we wanted to speak about this was, in particular, the uh, previous chapter on May 26th, focusing on, was it Twice? Twice. Twice. Mm-hmm. This is hero name, villain name, I guess. Yeah, that was very good, I think we yeah. will all agree. Um, well, really I mean, cool. not to put words in your mouth, Zach, I know. No, I would agree. It is it is really good. I I like all of these villain origins that we're getting, and I think the one for Twice is probably the best one yeah. so far. I always feel like I felt like Twice's like little origin story here was like kind of like the platonic ideal of like a one chapter yeah. origin story. I was like, this is great. This could be like episode of like I don't know. It felt like an old '90s cartoon kind of thing to me. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I guess I'm thinking Batman animated series, but. Well, something I was wondering um, to do our Western comics to manga comparison that we often do with this one. Zach, did you read Peter David's X Factor? No, I okay. haven't. So it's very, this is very similar to a concept in there. Um, and not in any sort of way that it's being, um, I, I wouldn't say it's like derivative, um, but it, it's playing with similar ideas. So X Factor, a quick quick synopsis it it focuses on like uh, some lesser known x-men characters in like a detective agency um and the main character is jamie madrox otherwise known as the multiple man and his whole thing is that a sharp kinetic force causes him to split off a double so he can just like you know slam himself in the chest generate a double um and so an early part of the arc is like I know I may be like misremembering some aspects of it, but basically in some ways it's the inverse of this in that over the years, he's just created so many doubles and he's just kind of left them off to go on and live their lives. And each of them has a very, as a slightly, a slight personality difference and such. And it's like discovered that he needs to, for whatever reason, like it's kind of degrading him or something like that. So he needs to, recollect all his doubles that he's just left scattered about twice's backstory is extremely great yeah twice he he watched his doubles like kill each other yeah brutally murder each other just watched himself die so like like i said twice it's kind of the inverse of this where in in the case of jamie madrox he knows some slight spoiler for those of you who haven't who are looking forward to reading a comic from over a decade ago, um, maybe he knows that he is the true one and he's going back and reabsorbing all his old parts. And, you know, there's a particularly interesting part where one of them has basically settled down and started a family. And oh. yeah, um, 
became an Episcopal priest, interestingly. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> little okay. detail I remember. Um, so in this case with twice, twice instead is scared that... He's a double. Yeah. And he has... I, I'm sure that, there, that you know, um, Horikoshi is an X-Men fan. Um, I'm, I'm sure that he is aware of the multiple man because in in the case of twice his doubles go away if they're they're hit with enough force yeah he said if it's the power to if it could break a bone that'll usually yeah get rid of just disappear so he's been afraid of like if getting injured too badly because he doesn't want to disappear yeah but in this chapter he gets hurt really bad and he's still there and he thinks okay i'm I'm, the real one yeah so that was pretty powerful scene and uh then he kind of has like a badass uh, moment where all of his doubles come out. Yeah. I'm not sure why they look like the, they have like the black face and like, do you know, do we know? I think that's just with his mask. I think so. Okay. Because, oh, okay. So they just have the mask on that he usually wears. Yeah. Okay. Cause he has his yeah. mask off. And right. He, right. He kind of says, you know, this is a, I can show you how terrifying this, this power really is. So yeah. Yeah. Speaking of getting hurt really badly, did it did it not really look like they just snapped Toga's neck in one scene? You know, did she die? I I, mean, can, I don't think so. I don't think she did because later, like just a few pages later, it's like, oh, she's still alive. I've got to save her. But it does... oh, it's so the twices look like they're so there's some twices um, that the one guy is controlling, and it looks like they're like turning her neck, and yeah. he goes, oh, I'm killing her. So he's watching himself do it. Yeah, I, I think, mean, it's, I think it's about to happen. Yeah, but they... I guess it hasn't actually. As we've said before, weak, weak point of uh, Horikoshi is that, yeah, sometimes it's his storytelling isn't the greatest. I'm a little confused about where Twice even came from here, but... Yeah. <laughs> like, like in the scene with Toga. Right. And even like linking Toga and the other scene, I was confused. I, I kind of feel like I read each chapter and there, it's like another scene or something. Like I... I missed something. I feel like I, I always miss something between chapters right. of, of My Hero Academia more than others. There's like a lack of cohesiveness, I think, in it throughout. Yeah. Throughout like different chapters, which is a problem, but I I can follow. Every, everything the, else is so good that it. I can follow the plot. So, yeah. I mean, it's not like I can't figure out what's going on. Just it's a little bit of a, it's a little jarring sometimes. Uh, overall, great chapter. Yeah, I think really good. Agree. Really good. Yeah. And we'll see how. I, I I don't think we're near the end of this arc, but I think we're. This will lead to them killing that thing. A, a bit of a uh, bit of a. It's a turning the tables kind of moment. You know, up until now, yeah, um, they were getting pretty thoroughly trounced by this this new meta liberation army. Yep. Meta. Yeah. Meta. Meta what? Maoists. Meta meta liberation army. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I finally remembered what they were called because. But then I, I can never remember the name of the guy that's like in charge of it. I can't remember that at all. He's the freaking Joker. <laughs> oh, right. He is. He really looks a lot like how Sean Murphy draws the Joker. Oh, man. The best the best Joker, you know. Best Batman story. Was that not a good one? Uh, again, again, crossing. Got to, got to stop crossing the streams. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. I keep doing it. Cross, crossing the streams. <laughs> okay. You know, Ghostbusters reference. Oh, Okay. I haven't seen Ghostbusters in a long time. So next month, we'll be back to talk about, what was it, Zach? Land of the Lustrous. Um, And we'll probably also be devoting a good amount of time to talking about Food Wars. It's a little 
retrospective. Yeah. yeah. So in the meantime, you can find us all on Twitter, should you desire. Um, I am at goodbye to a shoe. I am at Cosmos, of course. And I am at Wilker Fox. And we'll talk to you all or not. Yeah, I guess talk to you, not with you. Talk to you <laughs> yes. uh, next you. month. See you then.